0: Overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited today. My guest is Paul Granger, and I'm so excited to see what he's going to say to us today. He's a pastor, and he has such wonderful life experiences, and I'd have him just go ahead and introduce himself to us. Anything you want us to know about you?
1: Yeah, well, first, thank you for the opportunity to talk, and I'm looking forward to the conversation because I think both you and I know God can do a lot through a conversation, whether we know what's ahead or not. So I'm excited. You know, one thing I like to share when people are asking me to tell who I am is, one, we have a default response to that and a cultural response to that that's usually around our profession and this, that, and the other. But I think first and foremost, I'm an ambassador of Christ. That's what I believe I've been called to by scripture, but also over the last several years of my life, I've had the opportunity to see what that can actually look like functionally, both in what I do vocationally, but also what I do in my everyday life, what I do with my family. And so that's what I'm trying to do is just try to emulate who Christ is, represent him well. And one of the spaces I get to do that is my family. I've got a beautiful wife, three very cute, adorable kids and a cat. (laughs) You know, they're all young. So anybody who has young kids knows that shapes a certain season of life that limits what you can do, but also there's a lot of fun things. And one thing that's been really exciting for us is over the last few years, we've been striving to figure out what does it look like to seek God as a family? And so mm-hmm. that plays into what happens in our home, what happens on our front porch, what happens outside the home. And I'm also uh, seeking to serve God through a number of ways. I work alongside Youth With a Mission, alongside my Church Eastern Fellowship. And I feel like God's invited me to create spaces to process him. That's both in sitting with people, but also creating content. Have a podcast, Where Did You See God? Website by the same name. And really the whole idea is God's not trying to hide from us. So how can we find these spaces to process who he is? And who he's created us to be, and what that means for the next step forward.
0: Wonderful. Thanks. I want to add, I've seen pictures of your little ones, and they are adorable. I think that was one of the first things I said (laughs) to you. (laughs) Wonderful. Thanks for sharing all of that. And now we're just going to dive in. And you've already shared, I think, that you're a fellow podcast host, and you have a very unique title. Where did you see God? So I just want to know, how did you come up with that name and just yeah. kind of unpack what does it mean to you? I can speculate, but what does that yeah. mean? To you?
1: Great question. You know, back in around 2006, I was working for a ministry called Urban Promise Wilmington. Amazing ministry. They're still going. God's doing amazing things through them. And prior to that point, I'd grown up in the church, gone to a Christian college, was committing to a life of ministry. So I'm trying to set the stage that when I'm in this room and a certain question is about to be asked, I should not have the response that I have. Now, the question that was asked was by the executive director. He was looking at all of us, the staff around the table, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna ask a question. I want everyone to answer. Where did you see God today? I did not have an answer. Again, I should have an answer with all those (laughs) pre-qualifications. I'm literally doing ministry work full time, not even really getting paid. I'm just there trying to serve God. And I don't have an answer to that question. Mm. And of course, I tried to scrounge for one, but that moment really convicted me. If I believe that God is real, if I believe that he exists, if I believe that he is working, if I believe that he speaks, then why am I not able to come up with an answer immediately? Mm. Why is that not just something that is there? Part of the answer is I, I wasn't really looking for God, not proactively. wretched. Sure, actively I might, but I wasn't going into the day saying, wait a minute, if God is real, I'm going to get to experience him. So how can I have my eyes open to that? And so that's the heart behind the question. And really when God invited me to do the podcast, it just felt right that that's what it needed to be. Because again, the idea is creating spaces to the process who God is in order for us to process who God is. We got to start somewhere. So why don't we start with our everyday life? Mm-hmm. Our, our simple moments, our hard moments, the moments that seem like God couldn't be in them at all right. and just pause and say, where did I see God in
0: that? I love it. It makes me think of all of the simple ways that God shows up and we miss. I hear so many people say, God doesn't talk to me or Mm -hmm. I'm I think the better question is are you listening? Because he shows us in so many ways. It could be when you're reading in the Bible, it could be something that happened in a movie, a commercial. (laughs) He tailors it for our personality when he speaks to us. So Mm -hmm. I think it's having that ear to be open and to be watchful and look the way you're explaining. I think it's a beautiful thing to help people focus in on, you know, God is everywhere. He's in nature. He's in everything, (laughs) but we don't slow down all the time to recognize it. And again, Mm -hmm. from the most minute ways to the ways that are like, I know God. Yeah. Did this. I saw God today. Yeah. Like I've had situations where literally my daughter almost passed away she, when she was one and a half. And mm. that if I told you that whole long story, that's a whole big, definitely we we saw God. But right. there's simple things too. Like I didn't have an answer, and then all of a sudden I came up with something. Was that just me? It could be. I mean, he could allow my that. natural gifting or abilities or talents, but I think sometimes when I reflect, I'm like, wow, God, God gave me that, Mm -hmm, (laughs) but mm -hmm. I don't always think about it in the moment. But anyway, I really appreciate that title. And I I thank you for unpacking what it means to you. I know that you were also called to be a pastor at a certain point in your life. How do you define the role of a pastor? And please explain it for like a lay person like me.
1: Well, You know, when I was in high school, going into college, going to a Christian university, I thought I was going to be a pastor That's Mm -hmm. because what I knew is I just had this sense that I wanted to serve God with my life, Mm -hmm. that whatever I did as a job, nothing else was drawing me. I I wanted to serve God with a job. And the only real experience that I had, the only understanding I had was you you have to be a pastor to do that. I didn't have much Mm -hmm. experience with ministry or missions, but then when I got into college, I started to realize that my understanding of pastor was very limited because I remember having this moment where I felt like, I don't know that I want to be a pastor, but Mm -hmm. I want to do ministry. So what in the world? And the issue was in my mind, what a pastor was, was the person who was standing at the front of the building (laughs) behind the pulpit, giving (laughs) these sermons and running the church. Like that is a pastor. Anything else is just. Right. And. And so I I did not have a sense that that was what God was inviting me to. So for a while, I wasn't even sure what was going to happen. In fact, when I got to my senior year, I'm like, all right, God, I'm about to graduate. So what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And what God invited me into through a very like prayer driven way was at the time, uh, urban youth ministry, which I did not have really any experience with, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there was a clear sense that that was what God was inviting me to. and so you know, I, I continued in ministry in different forms, working with youth, working with uh, young adults up through the next, I guess at that point, decade, decade and a half. And I remember wrestling with this idea, but wow, wasn't, wasn't I supposed to be a pastor? And I do a lot of hands-on ministry in the community, organic ministry, front porch ministry, as my pastor would put it. And I have a number of neighbors who are in hard situations that call me pastor. And I used to correct them because I'm like, well, I'm not running a church. I'm not I'm not like behind the pulpit, so I'm not. I'm not a pastor. And I remember a good friend of mine, Chris. One day, he actually not one day, multiple times, he would hear me say that. He's like, "You need to stop that because because you're a pastor. You <laughs> might not be running a church, but you are pastoring people." And so, mm-hmm. to define for me what a pastor is, is God is calling all of us mm-hmm. to step in these spaces in one form of another of walking alongside others. Now, there are seasons in our life where we need to be poured into a lot. You think of the disciples on the early days of walking with Jesus. Yeah. They needed to be poured into a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. But then
1: there came a point where God had filled them and had showed them how the Helper could work through them to the point where they were now investing in others. Mm-hmm. You know, there are functional pastors who are leading churches, but yes. to pastor someone, to disciple someone, to walk alongside someone, that that's something that we can have access to whoever we are. For some people, it may just be they're a parent and they are pastoring their children because we've been invited to disciple our children. For other people, it may be someone that's a few years younger than you. But I know for me, God's called me to create spaces to process them. And particularly uh, for folks who often go overlooked, neglected, missed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some reason God's given me an eye to Mm -hmm. see those people when I'm not even looking But those are the spaces. And this is the biggest part. The biggest part is I know that it's not me. Any of the moments that are transformational and powerful, it's God through me. I'm simply the ambassador. I'm simply the conduit. But I I wanted to name that explicitly because there are people that will think of pastors, that will think of spiritual leaders, and then think of how much lower they are, how much less Mm -hmm. spiritual they are. So therefore, I, I could never serve God in that way. No, 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 no. There The Bible is filled with people who could not serve God in that way that God worked through. <laughs> we think Jesus chose the least of these. So if you feel like the least of these, you're in a Perfect. great position, perhaps a better <laughs> position than the person who feels like they're all that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I like the way you expounded on those those ideas, the idea of being a pastor and simplifying it so that so many more people can actually... Embrace the title. It's not always in that formal way like you spoke to when you kept saying the pulpit. But pastoring, I think that's so important. It also makes me think of a type of mentoring, too. But I really appreciate that you share your your openness for God to show you a person who may be unseen or feel unseen and and your willingness to be able to meet that need in the ways that God has to use your words, filled you up. And you know what? We've all been filled up by God. I think it goes back to our first topic. Are we noticing the ways that God has filled us up and gifted us and given us ability to help others and then being Mm -hmm. willing to take that step to do it? I appreciate that. Okay, so talk to me about yourself as a creative being. (laughs) I know from a previous conversation that we had, that you have creative ability as well. So how does that play out in your personal, professional, yeah. storial life?
1: Yeah, I'll answer that in two ways. The first is, yeah, just growing up, creativity has always been something I've been drawn to. My mom's very creative as well. So uh, some of it's personality, some of it's like gleaning from her.
0: In what way was your mom creative?
1: Oh, man, in a number of ways. One, just artistically, like she loves to draw, loves to paint, mm. that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but then she's also creative in the sense of, about to say something that's like, oh, man, that's, this that sounds like a story. And it would be a <laughs> long story. But when I was five, my father passed away. Mm. And there was a season where my mom was having to take care of the three boys more or less on her own. And of course, funds were tight, all these things. And so she had to learn to be very creative about if something broke in the house, how to fix Mm. it and this, that, and the other. And so I also saw it in practical functional ways, the way her mind worked mm -hmm. to find a solution to problem solve. And so that's been something that I've seen in my life as well. And, you know, I've uh, tap I've always played around with video stuff. I've always loved to write. And so now fast forward to today, God's given me the opportunity to really, invest a lot of time in those things and writing. Mm-hmm. And I don't do as much with no, actually, I'm doing a lot with video still just in a different way. <laughs> but the podcast is the newest thing. I hadn't done much with audio prior to that. But, you know, just finding a way to use audio to dive into the gift God's given us for storytelling. Yeah. Um, and and one cultivating spaces for others to tell their stories. That's my favorite. Is not when it's me talking when it's other <laughs> people. talking. And so, yeah, I mean, What's been beautiful is God has connected with me with people all around the world. God's allowed me to be able to, you know, you mentioned how God can work in us and we can give that to others. There's that verse, comfort with the comfort you've received. Yeah. I've been able to comfort others with the comfort God's comforted me with that I may never meet because they heard a podcast episode. And so it's really beautiful to see how God can use the things we create to do abundantly more, to go far beyond us. Uh, I plant a seed. Somebody else might water it. God will make it grow. But I mentioned I wanted to answer in two ways because somebody can hear all this and be like, oh, that's that's great that you're creative, Paul, but I'm just not a creative person. I've just never been creative. When we say that, we're forgetting what scripture starts off saying to us, that we were made in the image of God. In his image, he created us. That That verse itself says created multiple yeah. times. So true. So if we want to really boil that down to the heart, if we're made in the image of God and he's a creator, that means we're made in the image of a creator. We are made yeah. to be creators. Our default is to think of creativity in those constant creation spheres. But I mentioned with my mom, creativity took the form of problem solving, right? Creativity is creating something that wasn't there, whether it is a piece of art or a solution or a new idea or a new way of engaging. All of us have actually been given the capacity to be creative, to create, because we're made in the image of the creator. So anyone listening that's like, man, I'm not creative, you are. The trick is asking God, what does that look like for you specifically, if it's not the artistic form?
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. We have a tendency as human beings to downplay uh, what's been given us and to I'm going to say upplay what we see has been given to other people. When I was listening to you, I was thinking of when God said to Moses, what's in your hand? He had that that staff all along, but he didn't realize the full potential that was in that staff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that staff in his hand with God's anointing, we all have a staff, if you will, that's in our Mm -hmm. hands and with God's anointing. What can we not achieve if we just take that time and see what's in our hand? And sometimes it's just something like, I'm a great listener. Yeah. That's something that's in your hand, that great things can happen because yeah. of that. It could be, yeah. so we have to value who we are. And one of the things I've learned, I got to say, somewhat late in life, is, you know, sometimes we're always trying to make. All personalities be the same, meaning you have to be this confident, boisterous, loud person. Something's wrong with you if you can't just jump on the stage and make it happen or nail that interview in a certain way. But appreciating a calm, still spirit and recognizing that that's exactly the way that person is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. and appreciating the value that comes out of that and not trying to reshape or refashion somebody into what society says we should all be like. Accepting people for who they are uh, and accepting our gifts for what they are. They're all different. But when you tap into what's yours and you accept Mm -hmm. it, that's when actually amazing things happen for all people,
1: no matter how you're you're wired. And it taps into, to the passage, what you're saying taps into the passage that talks about us being made into a body and it just wouldn't make sense if the Mm -hmm. hand said to the foot, I don't need you, right? If the body was just hands, it couldn't do anything. You're you're completely right. That's something I've experienced in my life is Mm -hmm. specific ways that God has created me that didn't mesh with what a superior believed was Mm -hmm. the ideal way to operate. There are times where I had just identity crises, like, because I knew who I was and who God created me to be, but I was being told that was bad and wrong. And man, Mm -hmm. until I came to really understand who God had created me to be and what he was inviting me to live into, regardless of what people said, Mm -hmm. I was in a hard, hard place. But you said something else that's important. You were talking about the staff in Moses's hand. And the key to that story is Mm -hmm. also, as you noted that it was what God did through it. And this is where we get tripped up as well is we may get to that point where do that first step of saying, well, okay, I know what I have to offer. I'll celebrate that. But then we limit ourselves to just that. Uh, No, 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 no. If God calls you to something, he can actually be the one who does the work. You just have to be the one who's willing. I can't tell you how many people have come on the podcast that have just written a book that have said, I never planned on writing a book. I never Mm -hmm. thought I'd be able to write a book and God told me to write it. So I sat down, I started talking and it just came out. Like mm-hmm. I've heard that since I've experienced that before too, yes, where I followed a, a step of obedience to do what God told me to do and started typing and it just came out. That's the other beautiful piece and invitation and opportunity for everyone is if God is inviting you into something, you don't even have to be the one to figure out how to do it or have the capacity to do it because God can actually work through you to do abundantly more than you could have asked for or imagined. Absolutely.
0: What's so wonderful about that is it's relieving. All the pressure is not just on me. And, you know, our walk is a faith walk. And that's also an invitation to really work those faith powers, I'm going to call it. I mean, I'm going through spaces and seasons like that right now. And I'm doing what's in my power to do. And my faith is totally out there for God. Okay, do that thing that you do, that part that's beyond me. Mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, we want to lift him up. And then he says, if we lift him up, he'll draw all men." So we can even share our faith, but it's really the Holy spirit that does the work in a person's heart to cause them to, to hear and to see and to be transformed and so forth. Okay. Yeah. I'm already just so loving this conversation and <laughs> man, I mean, it's so many things I could say in response to what you just said, but I'm making myself. <laughs>
1: we're just, we're just going to have to do a whole season of just this conversation.
0: Okay. So tell my audience about some of the greatest shifts in your life that led <sighs> you to purpose and calling because shifts they're wonderful when you get to the other side, but sometimes there's some, uh, I'll call them growing pains. Let's yeah. talk about things like that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, out the gate, we've got a name that our default is to believe that things should just arrive, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe we have one shift, but then, then we're there. Yeah. We don't like the concept of journey. We don't like the idea that we could have a lifetime of shifts. Oh, my God. And when we have that mindset, every time we hit a new shift, we just crumble oh, what's wrong with me? What's Mm -hmm. wrong with God? What did I do? What did I not do? What did, uh, instead of, oh, God is trying to make me new. And there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some shifts and changes and challenges that are part of that because God's trying to make me into something that I'm not now and couldn't have gotten to on my own. And my life has been filled with these moments. (laughs) The first big shift was in middle school when I'd grown up all my life, knowing that God existed, because culturally that's, what I was told. I went to church on my life, but middle school was the first moment I had an opportunity to confront. But what does that mean for me personally? Mm-hmm. And that was a major shift because now I wasn't just a Christian because that's what I told I was. Right. I was a Christian because I chose mm-hmm. to ch- choose God. Yeah. Uh, you know, the next shift was the story that I mentioned where I was like, what do I do with my life? Because everyone's, you know, going on to these jobs and you're told you have to find a career, but I'm heading in a direction that is very not the norm. Yeah. <laughs> so God, And choosing to trust God in that, choosing to trust God as I stepped into full-time ministry, not even making money really for the first couple of years. You know, a big shift happened in 2011. I mentioned my father had died and uh, when I was young and I'd always longed to be a father. And so in 2011, my wife and I became pregnant with our first child. And our first big appointment found out that the heart wasn't beating. And I, I started off with this moment of shock that immediately transitioned to thinking of all these times in scripture where the dead were raised where it says, ask anything in my name. And Mm -hmm. I felt the sense that God was inviting me to pray for life, Mm -hmm. but I knew that was a big, big, big step of faith that if it worked out, I could never be the same again because I can't just say silly prayers. Like I prayed and a child came to life. I -hmm. need to go around the neighborhood praying for life for everyone. Right. And if it didn't work out, I would never be the same again, because what does this mean about God? If this prayer wasn't answered, And there is a much longer story I tell in my podcast, but the child didn't live. And I had this pivotal moment of having to come to that point of since it didn't happen, either God is not real or God is not good or Mm -hmm. God doesn't love me or God is God and God is good, even if I don't understand it right now, even Mm -hmm. if I don't feel it. And I have to choose one of those directions by the grace of God. I chose the latter that was the start of the journey of trusting God, even when things don't go well. Mm-hmm. That set me up well for when I found myself in an extremely hard work environment and in a ministry. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I was being told that I wasn't operating the right way. I wasn't the best kind of person. I wasn't a good leader. I wasn't all like identity statements, unsustainable work expectation, all kinds of things were just piled on me. And then other life things are happening where I got to the most hopeless place in my life. But along the way, I kept asking God for an escape hatch. God, can I just leave this job? Can I just get out of this? And God kept saying, no, he kept saying, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to stay in this space. And I'm not promising it'll get easier. So it was another shift of choosing kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. (laughs) God can save me from the fire, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to honor him. Actually, stepping into that with my life, not just with my good intentions was big. Then when I unexpectedly lost that job and God invited me not to protect myself, defend my job, but instead to know who he is, be who he's created me to be and, and walk in that, to be an ambassador of Christ, you know, it could have been the most destructive moment of my life, but I ended up going home and smiling and scaring my wife because she's like, you just lost your job. Why are you laughing? <laughs> right. And so I keep having these pivotal moments. The most recent is, When I lost that job and God invited me to trust him as provider, to not try to get out of unemployment as fast as possible. My wife was pregnant when I lost my job. I had kids. (laughs) We had a house like I need money. But no, I didn't need money. Mm -hmm. I needed to trust God as provider. And God took it a little bit further by inviting me to step into full support based full time ministry. And so I haven't had a traditional paycheck in three and a half years. Two of those years, mm-hmm. my wife didn't have a traditional paycheck because God invited her to leave her job for a time and <laughs> we have not lost our house. We have not gone wow. on to the ramen diet. Like We have not had to scale back in any kind of significant way because God is provider. So we have these moments in our lives that if we're not paying attention can just seem like hard, unjust, confusing, weird moments. And they may be those things as well, but God is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. So when we open our eyes, we can begin to see in the midst of those shift moments, what God might actually be doing. And it's not just how is God fixing this or how is God making me comfortable? He cares a lot more about what he's doing in you than your comfort today, than Mm -hmm. your job, than your this, that, or the other. Like our mindsets are very (laughs) limited, but in those spaces, God's trying to invite us to see more and more like he sees. It's hard. I, You know, when I say that, that doesn't mean that in those shift moments, I was like, oh, I'm a super Christian and I get it. No, like I was lamenting and I was mourning and I was yelling at God. Like I had so many of those moments, but even in the hardest moments, I still stepped forward. Even if I didn't know where my foot was going to land, we just keep on stepping.
0: Wow. I can relate to a lot of that too. I've had some of these these shifts and I remember being even angry at God at times, but You said something so important and it was making me reflect on um, it's really how you even show up to those moments, those shifts. And in that you're having even a mind shift. So I've learned over the course of my life that these things are going to happen. It's like you said, because we're kind of groomed to expect that things are going to be just lovely. And if it's not lovely, something's just terribly wrong when I shifted to understand that you're gonna have those mountain experiences, so really, really enjoy it because the valley's coming and then understand that when the valley happens, it's still a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's actually a good thing because in those valley experiences, things are being worked out in me that otherwise would never happen. I would never slow down or be caused to see people differently, the world differently. And and when I say differently in a better way, so it's fashioning me and shaping me into a better person so that when you have that mountaintop experience again, you're showing up again full in a different way. The Bible says we go from level to level and faith to faith. And it is a process to get there. It's not like oh, I got saved today. And now everything is just perfect. And I'm exactly the way I need to be. He starts working it out in us, work out our own salvation. (laughs) He starts a work and it's kind of circular, if you will. I keep finding myself back in front of the burning bush, but I'm, I'm being told a different or new mission for this level or this season in my life. Like I said, you have so many things and what you're sharing that would make me talk forever too. Um, <laughs> but We're trying to just scratch the surface and kind of let yep. the audience know <laughs> what's going through <laughs> our mind as we talk. I trust God that we're sharing things that's really going to help people. And I think we, we have been. I, I really appreciate what you've been sharing. I was perusing some links that I had access to and wound up on some websites. And I was looking at some of the things that you do ministering. And I came across a video where you you were teaching at the inter-university. One of the principles you were sharing about, or the title, is here am I, where is he? Oh my God, it's just so rich. It's going to be difficult for you to share like the bulk of all of that. But will you just touch on some of the highlights of that message yeah. to my audience. So they'll know why I was so excited about it. And I mean, you really ministered to me.
1: Thank you for listening. Thank you for that encouragement. And yeah, when I was sharing this, to, it was uh, University of Virginia. Um, their intervarsity group was stepping into the this, uh, this series focused on hearing from God and what mm-hmm. that meant. And fortunately, I had the opportunity to be the first one to kick it open. And I was, I say fortunate because I feel like there's some foundational stuff we need. You know, we can learn about all these tips and tricks on how to hear from God, but if we don't actually believe that God speaks, if we don't actually believe that he speaks to us, then we're not going to get very far. So there are some core foundational things we got to hit on first. And the truth is, is many of us have had moments where we are saying, here I am, God. And it's like, where are you? <laughs> I don't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a number of reasons for that, right? Like one could be because we don't believe that he actually still speaks. So I share a story in that. And it's one of my favorite stories to share in this idea of hearing from God. A friend of mine named Jonathan lived with us for a summer. And at the time, my youngest, we had two children at the time. The youngest was two. And anybody that knows just under two-year-olds like, are still kind of babbling, things like that. And so this is what Jonathan was used to. He's gone for a month. He comes back. He's going to live with us for a year. And we're eating dinner. And Bella, my youngest, comes up to me. And she asks us for something. And Jonathan loses his mind. He's like, oh my gosh, Bella can talk. This is amazing. <laughs> He's like so excited that she can finally talk. And my wife and I just looked at each other because she had been communicating for a long time. Yeah. She had actually been talking for a while, <laughs> but even before that, she had been communicating in other ways. Mm-hmm. So what was going on here? Well, as parents and having already had one child, we knew what it meant for a child to communicate. We knew what it would sound like, what it looked like. And we spent enough time with her to start to learn how she communicated, what certain sounds and words meant. For Jonathan, he did not believe that two-year-olds could speak yet. In his mind, they, were, they was just baby talk. And so when she was talking, he couldn't hear it because he didn't believe that she was actually talking. Meanwhile, when she was talking, we could begin to hear because we were actively trying to hear her, actively trying to understand her. And we do the same thing with God. If we do not believe that God actually still speaks, he can be communicating with us and we don't hear it because it just sounds like noise. But if we choose to believe maybe God does speak, maybe God does speak, then we start to listen differently. We start to pick up on things differently. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's the first piece. But then, and I actually won't go into this one because I think this is best if somebody watches the video. But the other thing is we assume we haven't heard him. And I use something called the Wilhelm scream. Mm-hmm. And some people hear me say that and they're like, "Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about." Some people are like, "I don't even know what that is." But I can guarantee every single person listening has heard the Wilhelm scream. So, you can you can listen to my video or you can just go into Google and type it in. But the reality is is that sometimes we believe we haven't heard him, but we actually have. Yeah. And when we begin to learn what his voice sounds like, then we start to pick up, "Oh my goodness." Cuz I swear, people have heard the Wilhelm scream hundreds of times throughout their lifetime. I watched and they just the video. Realize, and- <laughs> right? It's like, once you hear, and you're like, what? <laughs> how did I not realize that? And then, then you hear it all the time, right? Yeah. And so let's say we latch onto that. All right. So God can speak. I have heard him, but he wouldn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't talk to me. He would talk to a good Christian. Man, we are forgetting that God talked to the Apostle Paul, who is the chief of sinners. Mm -hmm. We're forgetting that God talked to Gideon, who considered himself the least of these to Mary, who was people looked down on her because she had a child out of wedlock and she's young. Like what's going on? Like all we could keep on going through this list of people who assumed that God wouldn't speak to them. But God, actually, if he wants to speak to you, he's going to speak to you. It's not a matter of what you bring to the table. And then maybe we're latching on to all that. But then the next thing that stops us is it's too hard. It's too hard. Mm-hmm. Like I've tried, I've tried and I've tried and it just doesn't seem to work. My son found out about hoverboards a couple Christmases ago and he wanted one and his grandma found a deal on one got him. It's the biggest gift he had ever gotten. And I was excited for him because this is a big deal. I didn't get a hoverboard when I was a kid. <laughs> so he got on it one time, fell off and it was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. This doesn't work. And. I'm talking like six, eight months. I don't even know how long of him refusing to try it. And, and he might try and then immediately get off because it was too hard. It was too hard. He just did not believe he was capable of doing it. And to be fair, anybody who's done a hoverboard before knows it's hard. You just have to get on and keep on trying because reality of the hoverboard is different than walking. When you walk, you know how your body, but on a hoverboard, your center of gravity mm-hmm. determines where you go. Like, it's just a different way of moving. My son, I told him, well, if you're not going to use it, I'm going to use it. I learned how to do it. And then one day I start riding around the house on and he's like, what? And then that inspired him. And then he went and learned how to do it in like a day because Uh something changed in him. And once he believed that he could do it by the end of the day, like he's doing tricks and stuff on it. Like he's pouring drinks while going across the house. (laughs) we everyone. right. We can believe that it's hard to hear from God. And then that can actually stifle us. But whether it's hard or not, if we choose to just keep on getting up, keep on stepping on, keep on going. Again, God's not trying to hide from us. Something can change and we can begin to realize how the reality of God works versus the reality of how we think things work.
0: Well, you said a lot of wonderful things there. I think some of what I hear and what you just shared is we have to practice Mm -hmm. hearing God just like you would practice if anything you want to do in life you have to put practice behind it and then another important thing that you made me think about listening to you is i was going back to the beginning of our conversation when you mentioned that we're made in the image of god if we're mm-hmm. made in the image of god part of him is in us so why wouldn't he want to talk to that part of himself we belittle ourselves and we we make ourselves seem small or like grasshoppers that's our own Kind of warped perception is not what is true. And as we spend time getting to know God, He actually reveals who we are to us. And it's kind of this reciprocal thing where the more I grow in the knowledge of God, the more I grow in the knowledge of myself in a healthy way. And that actually helps my journey to keep accepting that I have worth, I have something to give and something to offer. And the more I see God, the more I see myself. It's like Mm -hmm. a mirror. Years ago, I thought of it this way. God looks down at us and he says, like as parents, when my daughter was born, she was very, very like, she was white with freckles. I was looking at her trying to see myself to say, yes, this is my baby. And I Mm -hmm. looked and, and I zeroed in on her nose and I was like, oh, this is my baby. She has my nose.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I
0: always look at it. Like the more we transform into the likeness of Christ or the more we get like, God is like that. Yep, that's my baby. She has my eyes. She's beginning to see the world as I do. She's Mm -hmm. beginning to speak as I do. Those are my lips. That's my tongue or whatever. And I think that we can look at it a different way too, where as we strive to be like God, we can notice our progress and say, oh, I think, okay, I'm getting his nose. I mean, it's, I'm just relating Mm -hmm. it to the natural because we do feel kind of proud when we see ourselves and our kids. And it's not always a physical attribute. It's an inner attribute. So anyway, I know I'm rambling a bit, but (laughs) you you spurred all those thoughts in me. (laughs) And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I have certainly experienced in my life that The more I learn about God, the more I learn about myself, even what I'm capable of. And I started from early in life, just a terrible degree of poor self-esteem. And it's truly my relationship with God that changed all of that. I have more confidence today because of my relationship with God, quite honestly. (laughs) I'm going to now ask you about um, a previous conversation we had when you said that identity supersedes and gives shape to the rest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What does that mean? Unpack that.
1: I mean, it goes well with what you were just talking about. I mm-hmm. mean, we have our ideas of what our identity is from the start. And mm-hmm. that's built off of what people tell us, how people interact with us, how we see ourselves, mm-hmm. how we see others, what expectations come in, what culture is around us, what the environment is like. I and mean, there's so many factors shaping our identity. Mm -hmm. there's really one core factor that should shape it. And it's the God who created us. You know, God created us in his image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we are more prone to pull our identity from those other things. And also more prone to distrust what God says about us because God can say he loves me, but I'm unlovable. Or Mm -hmm. God can say he wants to use me, but everyone else is saying I'm bad at this, that or the other, Mm -hmm. right? That I, I could never amount to it, right? And so until we really press into how we are understanding our identity, we're going to keep on hitting these walls. You know, I mentioned earlier during the time where I was losing my job, that was a big piece of it is I'd been told all of these negative things about myself mm-hmm. and God patiently would just kept on saying, but who do I say that you are? Yeah. Who did I create you to be? And I want you to live into that. I want you to live into that. And. When I was about to be fired, like I was thinking, you know, what is it that they're going to say? Because if they say this, well, I have this evidence and if they say that and I'm building this case Mm -hmm. and God was like, no, 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 this is not about that. Again, don't defend yourself. Don't protect your job. Know who I am and who I've created you to be and who he had created me to be was someone who didn't have to defend himself against the boss because I didn't work for that boss. I worked for God. I was an ambassador of Christ. So if I lost a functional job didn't change anything. That still worked for God, right? Like understanding my identity allowed me to step into that space, step into so many spaces and Mm -hmm. operate from a place of peace, from a place of confidence that I could not have mustered on my own, could not have justified on my own. And so, you know, there are other pieces that define who we are, Mm -hmm. personalities, culture, things like that. So this isn't saying those things don't matter, but When we rightly understand that we first and foremost are children of God, made in the image of God, then we can understand how those other pieces play into that. Put another way, when we don't have that in place, we might chase after these other identities like success. There are a lot of people who being successful is part of what they want their identity to be, and they will chase that at the expense of other things, at the expense Mm -hmm. of their family, their health, invitations from God, right? The apostle Paul had a profound identity as the Hebrew of heroes, (laughs) Pharisee of heresies. Right. And Jesus said, basically, yeah, I want you to leave that and go the opposite direction to where instead of being the top of the top, he was the lowest of the low, having been beaten and whipped and shipwrecked and left for dead and imprisoned and scarred and insulted. And he's like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I've learned the secret to being content in all situations, right? Like, because he knew what his identity was before he thought his identity was to be the best Pharisee. And now he knew (laughs) that he was, he was the chief of sinners. And yet somehow God still loved him. Jesus still chose him. His identity was an ambassador of Christ, a child of God, and he could be imprisoned and be good. And you
0: know what I'm thinking about as you give that example about Paul is that you know, when he thought he was the Pharisee of all Pharisees and all of this, he was killing people. But when he became as nothing, he gave life to people. Yeah. That's when he was used the greatest. So it makes me think of even the ego. When we walk in humility, probably that's our opportunity for the greatest good as expressed through who we are. I'm also thinking about, tangible things and earthy Mm. things and us being housed in flesh. It gives us a tendency to look at or focus on the things we can touch and feel. But being made in the image of God and being spirit above all else, we almost have to, in some ways, I like that you said, it's not that these physical things don't matter, Mm. but it's the spiritual things first that matter. Mm. And when you begin to see who you are inwardly first and identify with God, it kind of shifts or, or gives shape or influences even the tangible things. So even when we talk about faith, faith, you don't see it at first. But when you stay mm-hmm. in a place of faith, you can have material manifestations of that faith. So anyway, I'm just thinking about The importance of being aware of our spiritual selves as primary, that will even help us understand the spiritual things and talking to an unseen God and walking in faith and trusting those things more than the tangible things because your spiritual self can shift the outward. So if you're not even happy with your outward situation in life, that spiritual self and being tied to God can help you change it all around. What do you know that can be a bridge to help someone else get to their next level of best regarding the topic of seeing and trusting God? Where did you see God? Just it really anything we've talked about today. Yeah. What do you know? What's a one gem that you would really leave with the audience that if they forget most of what we just said, It's like, hang on Mm -hmm. to this, guys.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm gonna give you two gems. I'm gonna give you two. (laughs) One is off of what you just said. Uh, you were talking about this idea of how we understand the spiritual in the midst of everything. And the way that I'd like to put it for the last decade or so Mm -hmm. is the way we operate is we think of all the things that are important in our lives. So all right, God, yes, the spiritual. Boom. Let's put that on the table. And oh, our job, boom, and our relationships, boom, and this and this and this. we got all these things on the table. Mm -hmm. When you got a table full of things. It gets a little messy and suddenly something needs to be a little more important and you got to move this out of the way. And what we find in life is we keep on nudging and nudging and nudging the spiritual to the side of the table Mm. until it falls off Mm -hmm. or we're trying to force it next to this other thing. The problem is, is that's not actually how it works. The spiritual is not a thing we put on the table alongside other stuff. It's the table itself. The way that we're invited to operate is as though the spiritual is the table. And then we place all these things on top. And so I wanted to give that, Jim, because it's hard to press forward if we don't have a right understanding, a right mindset of how things actually work. And if we continue to think that the spiritual is something that we tack on, then we're going to run into the same thing we run into of we forget or it gets hard, or it seems forced, or, you know, the whole list mm-hmm. of things. But then the second gym is off of that. You know, you talked earlier about practice. And what I have learned that I want to give to others as mm-hmm. a gym is that we are all capable of taking a simple step forward, right? Sometimes we don't step forward because we don't know that we have the capacity to step, or we're afraid of what it will cost us to step or we're not even sure if God's in that step or you know we got a whole list of reasons the reality is is God's not trying to get us to figure out the crack the code of the exact right place we're supposed to step he is inviting us just to step towards him as best as we understand it right god's going to be so thrilled if we step forward towards him even if it's a clumsy step that's like a little off center yeah. because he sees the effort of us in our imperfection making a move towards him and so i want to encourage everyone You have the capacity today Mm -hmm. to take a simple step forward, but I want to encourage you that it does not have to be big. It does not have to be profound. It does not have to be confident. And you don't know, have to know where your foot's going to land. You could be taking the most timid, weak, Mm -hmm. tiny step into the darkness that you've ever taken towards God. And that can be so profound because the truth is you do enough of those tiny ones Mm -hmm. and you're going to end up walking miles. right? So don't be afraid that your step towards God isn't enough. Just take a simple step towards God and then ask yourself where you saw God in the midst of that and then step again and ask again and just keep on going.
0: Right. Wow. I love that analogy of the clumsy step, just as long as it's a step. And again, our conversation just keeps me relating to even parenthood in the natural. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited if my daughter just does anything like we give advice (laughs) If she just shows any sign that she's moving in the direction of what I'm saying. I'm like, I, I applaud that clumsy step because at least you're, Mm -hmm. you're getting it. And I'm thinking of the heart of a natural parent, understanding Mm -hmm. that the heart of our, our heavenly father is so much greater than what we could all imagine. But the excitement, if I in the natural am that excited, and seeing improvement from my daughter in in baby steps, clumsy steps. And I've heard so many times people say, you know, I just prayed, if there's a God, if there's a God somewhere, you're not even, but that was a huge step. And God was like, wait a minute. Just the fact that you even thought about it, considered it. I'm here. I'm very present. I'm listening to you. And lives were changed by a prayer like that if you're real. Again, our children, I, I've learned so many lessons by watching my daughter and even how God must see me and how accepting he is of me, because mm-hmm. I'm convinced that I, I couldn't love my daughter more than God loves us both. So mm-hmm. if I have that that much love and I'm willing to look past her flaws to see her learn and grow and change and stretch How much more is God doing that to me? Because His love is so greater. He is love. It helps me that even when I'm making clumsy steps, even when I'm failing, I think I'm less than where I need to be. It helps me to remember He's such a loving God. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know what? This little bit I'm able to give right now, He's cheering me forward. You made me think of all of that (laughs) (laughs) listening to you. Well, we are coming toward the end of our. Mm time together. I had a few more questions I wanted to ask you, but maybe some at some point we can do a part two.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm game. I'm there for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. So the real true final question <laughs> that I have for each guest is, how would you like to let my audience know how to contact you, find you, get your books, uh, anything you want to share along those lines to be yeah. able to connect with the audience? Just go for it. We will also put in the show notes, but i like you to give a verbal shout out too.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, I've never been one for self-promotion. Um, so I want to reiterate what I said earlier, that what God's invited me to is to create spaces with the, the rod in my hand, whatever I have to offer, like, that's what God's invited me to do is to create space to process him with that. And so if anyone is trying to figure out how do I hear from God? How do I step towards God? How do I, how do I do any of this when I'm mad at God, right? You can go to www.where did you see God.com. And there I have some videos. I have the podcast. I have a series focusing on questioning, a series focused on healing. Right now, I'm in the midst of a season focused on sitting and suffering. So like, if any of those resonate, I got you covered. Um, and then I also have, it's available on Amazon, but I'm not about, I, I don't need to make money off of it. So I also offer it for free as a PDF. If you're wanting to find some consistent way to connect with God, we talked about practice. Mm-hmm. And devotionals can be that, right? You you mm-hmm. have this rhythm. Uh, last year, God invited me to write a 30-day devotional on the book of Revelation, which was a book that I didn't really want to read nor write a <laughs> devotional on. So there's a much longer story. But the short version is, is God invited me into the space of leading a, a Bible study. I had no idea how it was going to go. And God showed mm-hmm. up. And then he invited me to write down what was coming out of that. And then he invited me to put it into an actual form. So it's a 30-day guide and it's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. So (laughs) if that's you, if you've been (laughs) wanting to get into Revelation, but you haven't known how, if you have not wanted to, but you think you should, over the course Mm -hmm. of 30 days, you work through the book in an accessible way that's not trying to tell you what Revelation means, but Mm -hmm. what it could possibly mean for you today.
0: You know, that was for my audience, but guess what? I'm going to take you up on that.
1: <laughs> Go for it.
0: <laughs> I've read Revelations, but I'm telling you, it is one of those where it's like, hmm, am I even going to really understand? I've read the mm-hmm. entire book and I'm sure I, I I'm, nothing's coming to me right now, but I'm sure I've gleaned some things, but I'm going to be re- revisiting it soon because yeah. I've just been reading the Bible in order and I'm getting close to
1: Yeah, <laughs> that it's month, coming.
0: So maybe I'll look at <laughs> No, literally in like a couple of months, that's where I'll be mm-hmm. in my reading, my mm-hmm. daily reading. So I'm going to take you up and, and get that yeah. to, to look at it as I read through uh, the book, Revelation. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I am so honored and pleased that you desired and, and came on my show. And yeah. you were so willing and candid to share with the audience to help People grow around the topics that we've discussed. So thank you so much. Thank
1: you. I really appreciate the opportunity and appreciate what you do here.
0: Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.